Hey there and welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere a good podcast are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. Sadly, Garrett Kidney is not with us here this week. He's going to investigate whether the hierarchy of the DC Extended Universe has indeed changed forever. He'll be back with us next week, uh, but fear not. Our other two hosts are here. First, he's the platforming prodigy. They do call him the cheeky gargler. It's Mark Robinson. How are you, my friend? You know, like last week, how you were talking about that that game of the year fear where you get around to like October, November, and you're thinking about the games that you need to play, but then, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, decide, fuck it, now's the time I need to play Red Dead Redemption again for like yep. the fifth time or so. Yeah, game of the fear, uh, I call it. Yeah, I, I've spent the last three days trying to get 3DO and 30, uh, Amiga 32CD emulators running uh, on my Steam Deck. Not the time I need to be doing this, I don't know, like, your familiarity with either of these two systems. I feel like, Dave, you might know a little bit more with 3DO because of, like, Giant Bomb and what they've done over the years. That's pretty much, like, I would have no personal 3DO, but, um, yeah, from Giant Bomb stuff. Yeah, but uh, legendarily shit consoles uh, with legendarily shit uh, uh, back catalogs. 3DO, there's a few things here and there, like the Road Rash uh, uh, version on there is really good because it has Rusty Cage. Um, in the intro, but like the Amiga 32 is just garbage, like across the board. But I've decided that I need these two fucking things to work on my Steam Deck, and I spent the last three days doing mm. that when I could have, you know, been playing more Elden Ring. Mm. I guess the level of suffering is probably about par with with both of those. Yeah, um, and that's also to say as well that this is my second um, like front end emulator that I'm trying to get work because I have the one I was talking about last week or the week before. That's on one micro SD. I bought another micro SD because I wanted to try out this other emulator. <laughs> and I got a sickness that um, I think someone needs to come and like it, help me with. Is there like a tipping point where you suddenly become the person who realizes I spend way more time trying to get emulators to work than I do playing video games? Um, I'm already there. Uh, I'm already there. Like, yeah. I, I hit that limit, I'd say, about six months ago. Let's introduce our other host here. He's uh, the Roman Reigns of audio. He is Mr. Chelsea. He is Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks, mate. Yeah, you know, uh, good commentary on on all that retro stuff back there. But honestly, I, I feel I feel like with Jack, with your retro pocket, you installed six golden coins, and then that's like the only thing you ever put at, on there. At every version of Pokemon you could think of. Yeah, I mean, all I have really played is like old school um, Game Boy and. Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color games. I haven't really, you know, I've played a little bit of the N64, but, you know, the the Switch's uh, N64 stuff is mostly kind of what I need in that area anyway. So, yeah, yeah, it hasn't been anything but a really cool system for me to just play old Game Boy games on before I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I kind of, like... I would have been more enthusiastic about the N64 stuff back when, like, when the, the Switch virtual console stuff dropped and all the N64 stuff was completely fucked at the start. Um, but now it's kind of, like, it's grand. <laughs> it's not, like... Mario 2 and 3 uh, ports coming along in the next week or so. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, Mark, you had urgent business to attend to before we even get into um movies or games or anything like that there's some stuff you really want to get the the freshest possible takes on as a man who in this genre is kind of out of your depth experientially well dave ryan so we had uh, konami's silent hill showcase the other night 
and uh, Silent know, Silent Hill transmission. I know you are the the resident Silent Hill fanatic here, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure fanatic. Maybe once upon a time, Cer- uh, s- certainly relative to the <laughs> the three of you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be curious about like I, I don't know what Garrett's. Um, uh, kind of like history of Silent Hill is. I'm kind of sad mm. he's not here because that's honestly the fir- whenever we talk about anything that I haven't spoken about with Garrett before, the first thing I want to know is what Garrett's takes are on these sorts of things. But yeah, we had the uh, Silent Hill transmission the other night, and um, you know we'd heard of, about like rumors of things that were coming or who may be working on uh, certain kind of remakes and whatnot. But we we finally got the confirmation that, uh, I mean, we can go through the list here, but to start with, uh, the confirmation that Silent Hill 2 is set to be remade by Bloober Team. And, uh, you know, we got a... a uh, an animated se- sequence um, or trailer for this, yeah. uh, you know, completely rehauled visuals and lots mm. of pyramid head. And mm-hmm. yeah, Dave, what what are you thinking of this? So Silent Hill 2 is the best survival horror game that was ever made. Um, it is in my kind of like pantheon, my, my Mount Rushmore of my favorite games. And it hasn't shifted from that in the 21 years since that game came out, which is a fucking astonishing thing to think about. Um, it's like the only scary game that properly freaked me out at the time. Like I kind of, it's water off a duck's back mostly with games. And I, I, I really chase that feeling of Silent Hill 2 when I go into horror games still to this day. Um, but I, it's such a mixed bag of emotions seeing the, the Silent Hill 2 remake, because I do think, I think faithfully and well done, this is the kind of game that would be great as a remake because the look of it is a little bit too dated for people to go back to and jump in on now, especially if they're, you know, younger people who aren't used to PS2 levels of fidelity. I think that, um, I think that it controlled a little bit too awkwardly for people at the time. Um, I think it's, it's, it's one of those perfect things. And 21 years is a long enough time to go, okay, you know, take a crack at, at rebuilding this. Uh, if you're going to do it faithfully, the, um, the massive hesitations I have is one, this is Konami who are not so much a video game company anymore um and are very much just in favor of the cash-ins uh people have some very very fucking strong takes on bloober team uh people are real mad that it's bloober team doing it um and then obviously the thing that hangs in the back of your head is when they did that silent hill 2 and 3 remaster uh back during the ps3 generation um and got rid of the fog uh, among other things, they did Silent Hill 2, and if you've ever played Silent Hill 2, the whole point of that game is atmosphere, and, you know, you have this radio that emits a static frequency when uh, at, you know, higher and higher levels when enemies are drawing near, and that is really suspenseful when you're in a town that's covered under a pall of dense fog, um, because you hear the crackling, you don't know where it's coming from, but something is coming from you, for you. And then when you just take the fog out of that 
to show off your new and improved draw distances on the PS3, then you can see enemies coming from about two blocks away and it just fucks the whole thing up. Um, look, you take out the Bloober team and the, what we know of modern Konami and that trailer is is pretty damn good. It's pretty damn faithful. It looks much improved, obviously. Um, it's a, you know, it's more than a spit shine. It's a proper full remake and there there is the moment in spite of all my misgivings about it where you see James looking into the mirror in the bathroom and then opens the door out to exactly where he, you start the game of Silent Hill 2 and you do get the familiar chill of like oh fuck it's actually really happening yeah. um, I, I have a question for you though do you hmm. think this exists um, if the Resident Evil remakes didn't happen because I feel like there is an element of yeah. this where those were incredibly successful, like yeah. even more so than I think people were expecting. Yeah. And I wonder if Konami saw that and was like, well, son of a bitch, why are we not doing that? Yeah, they. this is not the first time that you could accuse them of following the lead and what Capcom is doing with a lot of their games, because when remasters were in vogue and Capcom were farting out a remaster every five minutes a generation or two ago that's what konami uh, i imagine took part of the inspiration for for that silent hill hd collection um yeah i think resident evil has done a lot for that because you also could give resident evil the credit for why we're finally getting a dead space remake um and a couple of other bits and pieces like that um survival horror is crazily coming back um oh you think about the fucking was it e3 over the summer games fest there was like one yeah. uh like two hour presentation where i think we had about four or five different survival horror style games yeah like we've got is it the callisto project whatever it is that's mm-hmm. like callisto protocol that's a, that callisto, is that is that this quarter or next quarter um, I feel like i'm soon. not sure yeah it's soon enough though yeah unless yeah. it slipped again um because that's been delayed a couple of times i think um, yeah, Survival Horror is back in a big bad way, which is great. Um, and yeah, I would lay a lot of the credit for that at the feet of, of Resident Evil. But look, it's... I think regardless, I'm going to have to play it straight away because I just need to know. You know what I mean? I need to actually play through it for myself. And it, the problem will always come with that a lot of the things that helped that game were things that were kind of foisted upon it by its technical limitations so things like the draw distance meaning they needed to put the fog down so the game didn't look like absolute shit or uh like i said the the kind of awkward controls uh you know as annoying as they could be made combat feel extremely frantic and like something you wanted to avoid at all costs um the other thing that concerned me a little bit i was watching uh giant bombs coverage of it and they were mentioning that there's a rumor out there that all the the puzzles in it have been like thrown out and you know redesigned uh one of the things like i I guess in one way you're like oh hey i'm not going to know the solutions to these puzzles because i could still kind of blindfold my way through a lot of the silent hill 2 puzzles i remember them that well um so there is that element of kind of ooh, i'm not actually going to know but then is that in- indicative of them really truly like messing with this fucking thing this perfect little package uh, uh, let's be honest let's be honest i think you would rather that they fuck with the puzzles than do a fucking final fantasy 7 remake and just mm. fucking <laughs> remake yeah. the story because that was the other like a you know um if they if they take 
Final Fantasy's lead there there had been a rumour and I think maybe it was because of the Final Fantasy 7 thing that people just had this idea in the back of their head that they would turn Silent Hill 2 into two games you need more uh, in the remake and, and it's just like to fuck around and, it yeah, just yeah. it just doesn't work as two games it, it absolutely doesn't and that will be the biggest red flag of all if that is the case but I, nothing from the transmission leads me to believe that that will be the case so I think that might just be Reddit scuttlebutt do you know my, my biggest surprise with this is that they didn't go with the original Silent Hill first because I feel uh, like uh, there's less no I, I because I feel like there's less pressure on them that if they fuck up like yeah. doing original Silent Hill the you know, it's not going to be something yeah. that's going to... Uh, people obviously still be pissed, but, you know, the, the reverence yeah. for Silent Hill 2 is that much more. I I, ca- I kind of get it in, in some ways because... Now, I'd say if, if Silent Hill 3 was the beloved one and they went for that first, I'd be like, yeah. Uh, I would kind of, if I were them... Silent Hill 1 is... It's all right. Like, it's not... I know, but yeah. you still can do it as, like, a litmus test because the thing with Silent mm. Hill as well, right, and, and you know, I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because I feel like part of the issue that we're going to have here, and it's not just the fact that they're remaking Silent Hill 2, but just Silent Hill as a franchise is fairly long in the tooth and hasn't mm-hmm. had the... The, the ups and downs that Resident Evil have. Like, when Resident yeah. Evil has been low, it's been real fucking low. But, you know, yeah. the, the revitalization of that IP in the last yeah. five years is, like, the second time they've managed to fucking revive that franchise. But yeah. Silent Hill has just been a slow, steady decline. It's like, it, it was kind of like Silent Hill. Yeah, okay. Silent Hill 2. Goat. Silent Hill 3 and 4, like the 3 and parts of 4, are still very good, but just can't live up to 2. And then it's been an absolute shit show ever since, with the exception of... PT. uh, Well, PT, obviously. (laughs) uh, But also the one Sam Barlow worked on, which was kind of of a remake of one. I think it was called Shattered Memories, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the the one of... um, the one of the latter-day Silent Hill games that wasn't completely awful. Hmm. Um... So yeah, that was it. It was a remake, but it wasn't a remake kind of thing. But things like downpour and other things like that are some of the most like embarrassing um, video games of all time. They, I suppose, the the main legacy of uh, games like Silent Hill Downpour is they gave us some of the best moments of the old Two Best Friends Play channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Them playing through the bad Silent Hill games, still extremely funny comfort YouTube watching to me uh, to this day. But look, I yeah, I, I'm I'm totally I I am willing to. I'm not going to be one of these people that like sight unseen. I'm going to be like, no, it's going to be trash. I'm not going to play it. I want. The two remake to be really good, and I'm I am sure you do. <laughs> I am begging for it to be good, um, yeah. and I want a whole new generation to discover Silent Hill Two. It'll be fucking amazing, and I hope they have that um, Resident Evil Seven moment. I just, if you ask me to put money on it right now, I wouldn't. I, and the, the other thing that's surprising about this is, uh, I, I was thinking that maybe we'd get. The, the Silent Hill 2 remake, maybe a new game announcement and maybe, you know, like a, a, a film announcement. And we got those three things. Yeah. But then there were another two original uh, games that were announced as well yeah. in the form of uh, Silent Hill Townfall, developed by Stories Untold and um, No Code uh, alongside Annapurna Interactive. Yeah, which the, is- the Annapurna one is the one that, oh, 
<laughs> that gave me uh, like, oh, maybe this will be the good one. Even if even if uh, Silent Hill 2 remake is a big stinker. Yeah, uh, but we don't they, know anything about that yet. So yeah, it, it's one of those like if the thing is we're outsourcing Silent Hill to other people, they will eventually even accidentally hand it to somebody who'll do a good job. You know, yeah, we got Silent Hill Ascension, which is described as a live real time interactive series in which players watch together as the story plays out and you yeah. can change outcomes and be part of scene. So I kind of I feel like this is sort of a um, quantum until, break or quantum break or until dawn, maybe kind of thing they're going for here. Mm. Um, that's got uh, bad robot games, uh, Dead by Daylight and the uh dj12 entertainment um the developers they're involved with that and then there's also uh silent hill f which is a silent hill story set in 1960s japan yeah and read by japanese visual novel specialist uh ryakushi 07 so there's some like super interesting left field things yeah. here that it does feel because i was talking i i i can't remember who was the other day uh tweet about this um about like it's kind of weird that Silent Hill or Konami have just given the Silent Hill property out to these different like developers and whatnot. But in my <laughs> mind, what are they going to do? Make a game themselves? Well, I mean, there's that. But in my mind, I was thinking back to like, well, you know, think back to like Sonic. It's like the last people that I want to make a Sonic game at this point is the Sega team. And yeah. I imagine for you, it's like the last people you want to make a Silent Hill game is a fun. Now, I yeah. imagine some of these like later Silent Hill games, they probably weren't all directly done by Konami. I imagine some. No, of them no, I, I think uh, Team Sonic. Silent was disbanded very quickly right. after its peak. Right. Um, that would make a lot of sense then. Yeah. Um, but it, it's funny, as you say, that like um, there are some interesting choices in here because I just picture it like with this slate of announcements that were being made that, like you said, went far beyond any of our guesses what was going to be in that transmission. Um, I, I feel like somebody kind of went up to a boardroom at Konami and it was like, right, we have to make a decision. Are we going to do the safe thing? And, you know, in that bracket, there's just Silent Hill 2 remake. Or are we going to do interesting new things? And the executive just said, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's throw as much shit at the fucking wall and see what sticks. And, you know, why not? And, and here, here is the big question as well. And this is where I can bring Jack in for this. But uh, if... If and it's a big if, uh, this Silent Hill Silent Hill Two remake works and is successful, do we see a a Metal Gear Solid remake somewhere in the near future? I, you go first, Jack. No, huh. you don't want it, or just no. I just don't. I just don't think near future is when we see a Metal Gear Solid remake. Okay, uh, we'll remove the near, but in the future, would you see it if the Silent Hill 2 Oh, Silent yeah, Hill 2 I mean, in the future, everything will be re- remade, won't mm. it? Like, in the future, they'll, they'll like, delve into the depths of whatever they can to kind of remake yeah. it. Do you imagine. think they could do it with Akajima, though? Here's, here's the thing, right? Yeah. So so they have, they've always had, like, three in case of emergency press buttons the first one that they pressed was the the only way for us to gain market share on uh fifa is to put pez free to play they, they fucking fucked smacked up. that thing and they <laughs> fucked it so their second button was remake silent hill 2 and you know you just know and they and they know as well that if 
while we were on the air, they announced a remake of either Metal Gear Solid 1 or Snake Eater. It doesn't matter what price they put on it, me and Jack are buying it. Um, and there have been, like, I think anybody who's as terminally online as us has probably read that there have been mounting rumors for the last several months that it is something that's getting closer to being a reality. Um, my main point of interest, because I, I would actually... Um, diverge from Jack on this, I would almost lean towards, I think they will within the next year or so announce that one of the games is being remade or an HD collection or something like that is being put out. An HD collection is possible because... We already have that though. Yeah, but then they just re-release it like even more HD. Yes. (laughs) Or even like... How much more HD can you get? Yeah. Um, I, I, I really think they will. Um, because it's like the last thing they have in the chamber and it has been seven years since Metal Gear Solid 5 came out. Wouldn't um, it be amazing if they were just like, we're going to remake Metal Gear Solid 5? Mm. The, <laughs> the interesting thing well, they about could remake, it... They could remake MGS4 because that's the only one that hasn't had any sort of like HD upgrade, mm. remake or whatever. So the, that would be... It's uh, because it's so dumb. Well, the, yeah. the interesting thing about it will always be the the role or not that Hideo Kojima plays. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, like, you would have said after Metal Gear Solid 5 and he left, like, oh, not, not in a million years. Like, it, 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 that relationship is done. It completely fried out. But given Konami's new approach of just let's hand out these IPs to external studios that... Kojima would be potentially more open to it if he was offered to remake one of his games under his new Kojima Productions do you know banner. What, do you know what I could see more likely happening is um, because of you know where we are in terms of IPs being outsourced, not for video games, but for um, TV and film adaptations, I could see way more of a scenario where Konami say, fuck it, like, you know, whoever comes along says, hey, we want to make a, a film of MGS or a TV series. And Konami go, cool, all right, yeah, you do that. And then Kojima is involved. And that way, like, Kojima doesn't have to be involved with the actual, like, whatever kind of exists left of Konami in terms of the, the development side of it. They can just say, all right, Kojima, you go work with HBO Max, whoever it is, the production company, and, you know, go make your fucking MGS film or whatever. Yeah. Well, it... it um. There are two very strong names attached to that film now that are really trying to push it through. Um, Jordan Vogt-Roberts as director and Oscar Isaac. Um, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And as recently as a couple of days ago, they were just like, we're... Oscar Isaac was saying that, like, we really want it to happen. We're really trying to make it to happen. But the arguments are currently at, like, what does the script look like? Yeah. You know, um, where do you go with it? Do you follow one of the games by rote? Like, what? how do you do Metal Gear Solid on film? I think it's a... I, I, I think, with the exception of three, maybe, they become tricky things to introduce to an audience because their game... Like, they, they live and die in the video game medium so much for something that Hideo Kojima was deliberately trying to make cinematic um there's just a lot of stuff that's just 
real fucking weird to try and put in a movie to an uh, to give to an audience that have no kind of like context for I, I would Hideo be curious Kojima. to see I would be very curious to see how MGS three specific era revolver ocelot is handled. That would yeah. be my my, yeah. my big question. Resident Evil 4 looks this this remake looks pretty good, doesn't it? Even yeah, though I'm completely I mean, burned out on like fucking yeah. remakes at this point, even I am like, yeah, this looks pretty good. Yeah, but I don't I don't have like a, a huge amount to say about the Resident Evil showcase. Uh, I think it's funny. I thought very much of friend of the show Matt Niner when they announced that hey, uh, for Resident Evil Village, uh, we're introducing a third person mode uh, for everybody that's like sick to the fucking back teeth of first person horror. Um, there's finally a solution for you um and it's funny because living into the we don't get to look at ethan's face apparently anytime you try to direct the third person camera towards ethan's face he's going to look away um but yeah resident evil 4 remake looks fucking badass and i have really been digging the kind of formula that they're going where it's like, okay, we're going to prioritize remaking one of the old games and then we're going to go to the new game. So when this game is out and it's had its, you know, it's it's time in the spotlight, then we'll move on to talk about Resident Evil 9, whatever that's going to be. Um, I assume in that um, Village DLC that's coming out, is it this month? Originally it was slated to come out around Halloween. Um, but when that does come out, I assume that will give us some hints as to where we're going. Um, but yeah, it <laughs> for remake looks real fucking good, man. Um, they've been knocking it out of the park. I think all those. I think the high point was probably that the remake of two um, so far. But I think all the, the 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 remakes they've done so far in this current era of doing those have been really good and that re engine they have for those games looks real fucking good as well i i saw something today like about even the potential for doing like a fucking code veronica remake and <laughs> I Do like, it, man. Right, maybe maybe we've gone a bit too far at this Do you point. know like i'm actually kind of like part of me is like well they're running out of fucking road after this when they put out four because that's the last one to remake uh but then i'm like i can't Part of me kind of wants to see, like, what would they do with a five or six remake? Would they just go, okay, let's remake it, but also make it good? Uh, <laughs> like, what's the, uh, what's the, what do you do there with games that are so, like, reviled? Um, it would be an interesting one. Especially if, like, the ad campaign was like, we fucking fixed them. They're good now. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be interested in seeing that. Uh. But yeah, I I think this will shock a great many listeners. I'm going to buy the remake of Resident Evil Four, and I suspect I will enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> Hot takes here. I know. Yeah. You know what? I I I did mention Halloween Ends there, but you know what? I actually because I kind of feel like I know what your opinion on it is going to be. I want to go over to Black Adam first because. <laughs> I, that's, I an inter- that's an interesting nickname to give him. I just call I, him Jack. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Um, I've not read a single review. I don't know what anyone thinks about this film, and um, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm all, very curious. All I saw um, leading into this was the the RT score, which was like it's the classic uh, DC movie Rotten Tomatoes score, where it's like audience score through the fucking roof. I think it was like ninety percent or something like that, and the critics score in the fucking toilet 
So, uh, Jack, if you want are you, to, are just, you a critic or if you, if you want to take you? your uh, all your your Batman merch off there and give us uh, an earnest review? Yeah. So, Black Adam, um, it came out today as we watched this, and I thought if I finish work at like the right time, I can get myself to a screening and get back in time to do the podcast, which is exactly what I did, and. Black Adam is definitely a movie. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, no, uh, no Taylor de- Swift getting yeeted in this one. Unfortunately, not. Ah. No. Um, I will say it's better than Amsterdam, um, <laughs> but then that's not a high bar. Um, Black Adam. It's you know I think it's probably one of the most like generic takes i've seen on a superhero movie in a long time like this is just a superhero movie tm it doesn't feel like there's any reinvention of the wheel you're not going to get anything from this that you don't get from a standard superhero movie there's no there's not a lot of personality to it like when they let the rock have some quips and and do some stuff he is good but a lot of it is very self-serious Everything a that movie is, with the rock in us. Everything that is see everything that is like, you know, a conflict is settled in a hail of CGI. Like an absolute shitstorm. It feels like half the movie is people flying around and whizzing and banging and exploding and different like streams of jets of light. You know, all the things that people have kind of grown a little bit tired of um at this point. You know, the the one of the main like this is going to be spoiler free relatively but one of the main bad guys doesn't in really the movie, sound like there's a lot of spoilers to be had in this by the sounds look, of it one of the main bad guys in the movie looks like Dave Grohl from the Tenacious D uh, <laughs> yeah. video back in the day which it was not kind of lost on me um, yeah it's just I can't say that it's a bad film like it's completely watchable as I was like I was I was at first, I was kind of into it. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt. Like Dave, I had seen the RT scores, both audience and critic, and I thought maybe I'll come down probably somewhere in the middle. I think I'm sort of erring more on the side of the critics than I am of the of the kind of fanatical uh, DC universe. But look, if you are a big DC fanboy and you really like this character, I don't think you'll be massively disappointed by the movie because I think it it does the character a decent amount (laughs) the character is definitely in it yeah it does but it does the character a decent enough amount of justice you know Um, uh, emphasis on justice Pierce Brosnan is in the movie and he's pretty good Um, you know he's one of the few people in this movie that again is probably Uh, acting at a level that maybe the movie itself isn't necessarily deserving on a Um, a scale of one to Tatham how's his hamminess (laughs) no he's not that hammy I just I just thought it was pretty good I just thought like okay yep this guy's he's he's taking it seriously and he's playing a good part Um, it's yeah it's really there's nothing there's nothing hugely negative to say about it from my perspective anyway like if you are done with the whiz bangs and the CGI hailstorm you'll fucking hate this movie you'll really dislike this movie Gareth 
Do you remember yeah, exactly. do you remember when we thought like the end of Man of Steel was incredibly excessive and we needed uh-huh. to tone it back back Quaint. in at the time then in two thousand and six? What simple times we lived in, huh? Mm. Yeah, um, okay, that that scene is still way, way too long. And at least this movie kind of intersperses some human moments of the characters. But you really don't get a sense of the, the city that Black Adam is protecting because he, it feels like he's only ever protecting one one mother and one son throughout the whole movie, really. And they just seem to keep turning up in places um, near where he is having a big CGI battle with various powered individuals. Um, but... You know, like I say, if you like the character of Black Adam, uh, you've read a few comics and, you know, you don't have any strong opinions either way about, <laughs> like, uh, CGI or, you know, uh, any kind of, you know, need for originality in superhero movies. If you just want to watch another one of those, you will in- enjoy, I think, Black Adam. I think he'll be like a six, seven out of ten experience for you. But it's not any better than that and if all the things that i've mentioned to you sound you know boring you will hate this film you will think it's you know artless you will think it's unoriginal you will find it dull you will think it lasts a bit too long um if you like garrett again have gone off the rock if you do think he is now a pr beef bot you're not gonna like this movie in the slightest um, he has, you know, a few good quips and a few good lines, but it's almost like they're like, ah, oh, don't let the good lines stand in the way of a CGI battle in the sky or anything. Um, and yeah, it's honestly the least excited I, I think I felt coming out of a movie in a long time because I was just like, I don't really have a strong take either way on this. Like, and I don't know if that's almost worse than me thinking like Amsterdam sucks or, you know, me wanting to be really, I would, I'd imagine just based on the reviews and the trailers and everything I've seen, probably quite effusive about the Banshees of Inishira in which I'm going to go and see tomorrow. Um, I, you know, I'd imagine I'll feel strongly about that with real, like, you know, live up to my expectations or I'll feel a bit let down by it. But Black Adam... I went in not really feeling anything, hoping to be pleasantly surprised. I wasn't. It was just okay. It existed. You went in, some time passed, and then you left. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like like it's? Did you feel like it's a film, or does it feel like as you're watching it, it's one of those films that's just been test focused to hell, that's removed any chance of any kind of spark or or originality or creativity yeah. do you think I, there's any of no, that no I, I just feel like this is the rock, the movie the rock wanted to make in the way yeah. he wanted to make right. it which i suppose okay. is is another way of 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 saying yes to that question because that is the kind of vibe <laughs> yeah. that a lot of his kind of the projects he appears to be more directly involved in come out as these kind of like sanitized to fuck uh the rock must look like the the coolest, funniest, most handsomest man. Is it in me? The world. Is it me? Or does it feel like the rock's film career? It it feels like it started at that point and then it went up and it started. It's to rever- kind of- it's now reverted to the mean. It really has, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a moving average. The rocks, the rocks yeah. uh, film career. If you were going <laughs> to forecast a, re- a review score, like the moving average, 
I'd say five or six years ago was a lot higher. Like yeah. you'd probably be looking at a skyscraper or whatever and going, you know what? Like it's absurd, but I love it. It's a sort of seven out of ten it, movie. Whereas this is this is like a solid five, like he, right he, in the middle. He also has uh, a, a horrendous poker face, in as much as you can probably accurately predict the score based on how much he is fucking everywhere before the movie comes out by himself trying to like fucking convince you that this movie is going to be awesome it's like oh it's, it's gonna be a bit shit isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean like there's some cool moments in here like yeah. there's some cool moments of badassery yeah um with black adam yeah. which, which at the start of the movie you're like okay this is this, you know this is pretty cool yeah but then they just keep happening and mm. it kind of gradually grinds all of the like badassery and cool moments like away from you completely. I think as soon as he has, as soon as he said that line of it, the and that he kept repeating that everyone took the piss out of a bit, you know, the hierarchy of the DC universe, blah blah blah. Um, I think as soon as he said that, I would have probably put my entire house on it being bang average at best. Yeah, I mean, there is about three or four moments where like score drops out. And he says a line, like, you know, where it's like a big... Sw- By the way, the score of this movie is just, like, constantly swelling and blaring in your face and mm. as loud as you possibly can. Like, yeah. somebody gave Hans Zimmer just a bunch of cocaine, is like it, a like a quart of is, cocaine, you, and he's just... Do you think that's possibly, like, down to one of the things that even critics are like, well, you know, one thing we can say about these DC movies is that their scores are more memorable than most of the Marvel ones and like The Rock heard this and went okay score turn that up to 15 who who has been the composer for any number of the DC films they've I, uh, they've been a bit kind of like they, they've changed it uh, yeah. they've changed this it up this one was Lorne Balfi yeah Balf cause um, I don't blame him for how loud the score was I'm mm. sure I'm sure they just compressed it to all hell. One of my favourite... There's a couple of needle drops in this movie as well. Like, they've, they of course use... They're like, right, well, we need a song with black in the title. So they use Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. But there's mm. a bit where, you know, it, they, they kind of show the intro, the ancient history of the, the character of Black Adam, you know, his little condensed five-minute sting of a, um origin story and then it cuts to modern day and there's like score 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 swell and it drops out and normally when the score drops out it's for a lion from the rock or something but the score drops out and you just hear like the world is a vampire oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> they start up the smashing pumpkins Oh, the God. bullet with butterfly wings comes in, and you're like, "Of course." Well, and I guess just they probably couldn't it. use they probably couldn't use back in black because that's so like associated with Stark at this point. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. like, are, are they trying to recreate the vibe of like the Batman? NWA? No, the Batman, where like the awesome original Michael Giacchino score like occasionally fades out and is replaced by a different version of something in the way. Uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, that <laughs> that's how we do it. Uh, we go original score." to song from the 90s and just completely misread it. Yeah, all of the needle drops in this movie do feel ridiculously, like, crowbarred. I mean, isn't that kind of the DC way, really? Uh, Well, with the... The The uh, Snyder. uh, Yeah, the Snyder stuff. Which, like, when it's good, it it, it works, you know? But uh, I I was thinking more of the original Suicide Squad movie where it was just, oh, shit. Like, oh, my God. Um, 
But yeah, look, I'm going to go see Black Adam this weekend. I have to know. I have to know. Yeah, of course. And you know what? you, you, I don't know if you'll feel more strongly than me about it, but I honestly can't get my dander up either way of this movie. <laughs> there are a few things yeah. in it that I'm like, okay, yeah. Like that world is like, like bullet with butterfly wings started up. I was like, oh man, really? Is that, is that what we're going with for, this, <laughs> for the soundtrack here? But, um, and I'm a big Smashing Pumpkin fan as well before anyone accuses me otherwise. But even I was like, oh, that's just too much in this moment. Um, mm. And I just, yeah, it's, it's just so all right. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's aggressively average. Yeah, it really, it really is. It, yeah. it, it, the, the things that it does well, it does them a few times, which kind of takes away the fun of the things that it does well. And the things that it does badly, I just kind of expected to, to be like they were anyway. Like I knew it would be a big wedge of CGI all over the gaff, but it's, it's probably more egregious than it should be. But it is the most five out of ten, two and a half stars meh c minus movie i've seen in a very long time and i honestly feel like i'll never watch it again mm. and it's not because i hate it and it's not because i love it it's just because it exists mm. black adam let me tell you a movie that isn't average speaking of getting your dander up halloween ends is a fucking atrocity <laughs> it's a crime against celluloid oh boy holy shit i i don't want to steal a talking point completely from barry but i think he was the one that had a tweet about how like the more we look back on that 2019 halloween the more it's like that movie was good by the grace of god and pure fucking accident because holy shit, this trilogy has gone places since then. Uh, and I don't mean that in a good way. So we had the fucking weird ass middle chapter, which felt like the most. This is two hours of filler until we get to the, the final chapter thing we all know where it's gonna end there were some things that were interesting ideas about it i kind of as a horror movie fan i enjoyed seeing characters from previous movies come back in seeing what they're up to um i did like them trying to do the halloween 2 thing again of here is a sequel to the movie that takes place literally the same night the first one did that was a a cool little idea but to say the execution was poor is putting it mildly, um, especially when it gets to the like the ranting and raving of the, you know, the evil dies tonight and the whole town becoming a torch and pitchfork mob going to try and kill Michael by themselves. And then we get to Halloween ends. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I. I take no small amount of pleasure in being able to tell you, gentlemen, I did not pay one penny for this movie. I, quote unquote, purchased it from my home last week uh, because the scores from people I trusted were such to tell me that if I went out of my house to go and see this in the cinema, I'd be real fucking mad that I did. Uh, So I said, right, I'll sit down and I'll watch it tonight and see. And I really... Here's the thing. I really wanted it to be good. It's not like I was going, oh, I can't wait to bury this on the podcast. I love that first one of the trilogy. And I really wanted this to be to stick the landing that we could like forget about the middle chapter. Once it started and ended fine, then I would have been absolutely happy. This is a fucking abysmal, abysmal movie, right? 
Um, I right because it's so bad. I, I think I'm just going to talk spoilers. Um, Go for and it. check the timestamps for when we get to the next thing. Um, but okay, this movie opens with the murder of a child, right? And I want—I want you to know only the best movies yeah. like this and Face Off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was very much reminded by Jason Manzukas's rant about how, um, yeah, the murder of a child is the opening scene to this movie. But here's the thing: every single character in this movie is so horrible and obnoxious that my reaction to this this brutal death of a child was good. <laughs> you know why um the kid was a little cunt basically is uh, the best oh, dear, me. This, right and what happens is like he's terrorizing this weirdo babysitter uh this awkward dude um and locks him in the attic and the dude like basically kicks open the door the door hits the child in the face the child flies over the banister down three flights of stairs and Brunches in a pile of bones and blood on the floor and dies I in front of his parents. Believe that's called a swift. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He does a swift, um, and that's like your cold open. Um, the other thing that you don't really know from the trailers of this movie is that eighty percent of this movie is is not about Jamie Lee Curtis uh, as Laurie Strode or about Michael Myers. It's about that fucking babysitter. He is the main character of this movie. Okay? And he is awful. He is <laughs> he is horrendous, right? Um there are again, there are some loose notes of what would have been an interesting idea for a movie. So there's a lot of talk about um you know, I mentioned I think last week on the show when I was doing my horror roundup is I really enjoy when a movie is talking about a serious theme through the lens of horror. And if you've seen any press about this movie, Jamie Lee Curtis and everyone else is like, well, this is really a movie about trauma. And there is kind of like, there could be a cool idea pulled from the loose threads of what happens over 40 years to a small town, a closed community, where something as horrifying as Michael Myers happens. Um, and then obviously like he came back in... Halloween 2019 and this is the other thing so the cold open happens I believe the year either the year of Michael Myers return from the first movie or the year after I can't remember which and then like once the opening titles happen you smash cut four years later <laughs> um, and it's whole since that night when the town tried to murder Michael and he you know hulked up and got away no one has seen him he just fucking disappeared, which is high, like even for a Halloween movie is highly improbable. Like the whole thing about the shape is like he's fucking massive. Like he's he, he's not exactly fucking subtle. He's not somebody that can go missing in a town this small and nobody just accidentally run into him. But apparently he's been living in the fucking sewers and shit. And your whole thing is following this guy who... um. He murdered the child in the cold open and now he's viewed as the town freak, the baby killer, etc, etc, etc. And uh, at one stage when he's at his lowest ebb, he's literally, actually, he's not quite Taylor Swifted, but he does, 
He does get accosted by some local youths, Jack, and he gets yeeted off a bridge, which I did <laughs> laugh at. Again, I'm supposed to have sympathy for him at this point because he hasn't done his turn. And I just laughed at him getting fucked off a bridge by these people. And while he's, you know, rolling down the hill, he gets dragged into the sewers by Michael Myers. But then him and Michael Myers, I, I swear to God, become pals. Of course. So Michael sees something in this kid where they basically become a tag team and they're they're kind of telling you that, oh, look, Michael is, you know, he's moving slower. He's obviously old at this stage. So it's like him and this dude are going around, you know, killing people as a tandem. And it's more that like... Um, this kid, the, the former babysitter, has snapped and he's taking it all out on, you know, the people of the town who have insulted him or mistreated him over the years, etc., etc., etc. All the while, he is very coincidentally cozying up to Laurie Strode's granddaughter, who, of the three female leads in the first one of Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer and her was by far the worst and least interesting. Unfortunately, they fucking killed Judy Greer off at the end of the second one. Um, And they basically are just trying to keep Jamie Lee Curtis busy until the end, because we all know, like, at the end, it's the her versus Michael showdown. So you get, like, of this two-hour movie, it's like an hour and a half of Michael and this guy being pals and him on his, like... You know, he's trying to romance the the granddaughter, but then he's also, like, doing the killings, and it's just this fucking boring-ass shit. And then we get to the, the fight between Laurie and Michael, and it's, you know what, for five minutes, it's good. It's kind of, it's what people who have been following this franchise for years would have wanted. The knockdown, drag-out, one-on-one, Laurie finally kills Michael. Okay, but I have to ask, like, the, the, how does that work in a sense of we're talking about, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, who'd be, what, in her mm. 60s, 70s at this point, yeah. and, like, like how... Because how... he's also in his 60s, like, they're, <sighs> they're of an age to each other. Yeah, but he's still a large, physically imposing yeah. man. But they're, they are selling you, they're, they're doing, like, the... Uh, the uh, movie equivalent of bad limb work throughout this movie where they're trying to put over to you that one of the reasons he is palling around with this little fucking dweeb is that he can't really go on his spree anymore. He has, he finally is looking like a fairly broken old man. He can still do it sometimes. Like there's a couple of kills he has where like he's still monstrously strong and stuff like that. But then even in the original movie and in the the first of this remake trilogy they do very much put laurie across as no since michael went away 40 years ago she basically went native uh, and was training herself for the day where he came back like she in that Wait, movie is she, is she fucking sarah connor now she, no yeah in in that remake she was but it was actually good i promise you that first one was good All um right. where All she right. had basically like She was armed to the teeth granny and she was fucking badass in that movie. 
Uh, but what's really shitty about it is like they're they're trying to level the playing field by one making Michael look old and two in the opening act of this movie after all this for like because again this is a movie where they're trying to sell you on this town and particularly Laurie and her granddaughter have been traumatized since the original incident 40 years ago and <laughs> the first act of this movie she's just normal grandma she is like, she burns a cobbler in the oven and, you know, she's writing her memoirs and shit like that. So, which is completely like, a, not a betrayal of the Laurie character, but it's like, her whole thing is that she's not going to get closure until the fucker is dead and we all know he's not dead. So why is she just being chill grandma when she spent 40 years in the woods booby-trapping her house for the day when he'd come back? Like, what the fuck is this shit? Um, but their fight is really good and it's a flavour of, like, that original remake and I think they did that final fight justice but the problem is is that you had to wade through an hour and a half of absolute dog shit to get to it so you feel like that scene in isolation was good but movie, you did not earn this. You did not get to do this and it is, it is the most conclusive, like, this fucker is not coming back. Um, they will remake these movies again and that is how they will come back I thought for a while I was like oh my god this is how they're going to continue the movies because like at one point little dweeb fucker uh, Corey is his name little dweeb Corey um, is an excellent name for little dweeb yeah. fucker uh, little dweeb fucker uh, runs into because he's trying to get the courage up to commit like a few of the more brutal murders he does in the movie so he goes and steals Michael's mask off him uh, in the sewers to do these killings. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is what they're doing. Corey is going to be the new shape. He's going to be wearing the mask. And that's how, you know, Laurie's going to kill Michael at the end of this. But Corey will continue on the legacy. And Michael Myers is more than just actual Michael Myers. He is the shape. He is this idea of fear, blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, I feel like no, I feel Cor- like Michael Myers is like the fucking Danny DeVito's penguin to some degree yeah. in the way you've set this, him up in this. He he is like um, Corey is also conclusively killed off before Michael even is. So you're just like, oh okay. Uh, so that's not what Michael finally kills him. Like obviously has enough of him and kills him. But Michael is like he is pinned to a counter like um, like giant american refrigerator pinning his legs to the to one side of the counter pinned by blades uh through his arms and his chest to the counter and then his one free arm he nearly strangles laurie and the granddaughter comes in and fucking brutally snaps that arm and then laurie it it in like proper cold psychopath fashion calmly starts walking around the table slits his throat slits his wrists vertically on both arms like this dude not only was i like okay he's not coming back this time uh, but then afterwards and this is the most mental thing of all right where it's like okay that is a conclusive end to him and then they took it to wacky town right because they had a chekhov's gun in this movie where very early on you see that cory works in a scrapyard and there's the big kind of like uh, crusher, uh, grinder, fucking trash compactor machine there. Um, and what they do is they strap Michael, t- who is, again, conclusively dead, 
to the roof of Laurie's car because the idea is even if we kill him people aren't going to believe that the boogeyman is dead so they strap him to the roof I swear to god this is what happens in the movie because Mark is looking at me like I've lost my mind at the moment <laughs> I, I'm just they, getting reminiscent you remember when we played Heavy Rain and the yeah. uh, detective fucking Jason. eats it Jason they strap him to the roof of the car they drive him through the town like it's the fucking FA Cup parade <laughs> and they're on top of the bus with Michael the, the streets are lined with people who are coming out to see this elderly elderly serial killer dead bleeding all over this car as they're driving him through the town and people are like taking photos and, and gasping and applauding they bring him to the junkyard and fucking lash his body into the trash compactor grinder thing and like you see his body go in and his head burst and all this shit and it's like it's pretty gory but it's just like it's just quite literally overkill but not in the way that are fun in these movies in a way where it's like Look, we know no one's going to believe he's dead, so we need to, like, really kill him about 16 times over for you to believe that this is the end of the franchise. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real fucking piece of shit. The, the, all the dialogue is so stilted and awful and written by people who may never have actually talked to other human beings in their lives. Um, the, the kind of, the, the trauma metaphor is really really strained really like you're trying to make this you're trying to elevate this movie beyond what it is cop yourselves on to fuck um yeah like aside from that one scene where they finally fucking throw down in the house um it's real fucking bad and that that cory guy is a fucking dickhead um yeah this movie sucks It, it really sucks um and i'm i'm quite happy for these movies to go away for quite a long time um even though i suspect within a couple of years somebody else will be remaking the first one again but i don't think you're gonna i could be wrong but i don't think you're going to get a better remake than um they're not really remakes either like it's a sequel trilogy but you're not you're not going to get a better return to the franchise than that halloween from a few years ago Wait, was it was, the, was that trilogy. rob zombie joined that one no no god no no that no? was a different remake series so right. he did he did I, I am so fucking out of the loop on he did a remake halloween. of halloween and halloween 2 um himself <laughs> in like the 2010s and, okay, and are they non-canon then like um, just... Yeah, so the 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 one from 2019, 2018, 2019, whichever the first of this trilogy, whenever it came out, this basically it look it's been a it's a patchwork canon to say the least. If you're trying to make sense of all of them, yeah, very much. Right. And um, this disregards pretty much everything that happened after the first movie. So it, it okay. retcons everything, like your your Halloween twos and threes. What and a disrespect to your, H2O, your, honestly. Yeah, H2O, things like that. Um, but yeah, this uh, movie blows. And um, the thing that's going to be really sickening is like the next couple of weeks, I'm already seeing the, ta- the contrarian takes. If you know what? It's not that bad. I was like, it is. It is that bad. I think it's just... A huge amount of copium in the air uh, at the moment, uh, mainly based off one scene. Yeah. Sucks. Sucks. Um, But you know what doesn't suck? Ringu. 
in spite of you trying to trip me up and keep correcting it to Pingu on the uh, the agenda here, Mark, uh, I watched Ringu for the first time. The It's not the original adaptation of the Ring story in Japan because there was a TV movie in the 90s I have never seen. Uh, but this is the famous one. Uh, that spawned the Naomi Watts, uh, ha- the Naomi Watts starring Gore Verbinski uh, remake in the States in the mid 2000s. Um, this, yeah, fucking rocks, man. <laughs> it's like you can see why there was a boom in 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 J and K horror over in the States in the in the mid 2000s. It it's a movie that does a lot with very little. It is. It's not the most uh, lavishly expensive movie you'll ever see in your life, but it's incredibly well acted. Um, The limited effects that they have in it are very good. Uh, I think the the central... the central horror of this, this tape, and you see this tape and you get a phone call and in seven days you're going to die and there are these like horror you're seeing the corpses with these horribly contorted screaming faces like they have literally been scared to death by whatever happened to them and you know your uh your lead actor she is um somebody who watched the tape herself and now she's in a desperate uh race to unravel the mystery before she dies and then you have the it follows the like the american film follows mostly the same beats because you have the her son who watches uh, by accident at some point in the movie and so now she's also trying to save her son's life um yeah it's real fucking good it's um if you're looking for if you've never seen it and you're looking for um a proper good seasonal horror experience uh ringu you could do a lot worse than uh, I'm probably going to, once we hang up on this, watch the American one because I haven't probably seen it since it originally came out on DVD over here. Uh, I, I always get The Ring and The Grudge, the grudge. mixed up. Is, which one of those is the ones where the kid comes out of the TV? That's The Ring. That is The Ring. Okay. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the Funnily ring. enough, I've not seen either of these. Grudge is the one that, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller is in the American one. Yes, and it's that's like true. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the image everybody remembers is her like peeling back her hair and you see like the hands come out from the back of her head. Um, Good stuff. Good Yeah, times. I actually should watch The Grudge because I, I, I haven't watched the original Grudge and I saw the American one once, I think, at a, at a house party. But I remember you mentioning uh, you mentioning there about the kind of like JK horror revival or sort of like uh, crossover to America. And they're the two films that I think of. I don't know what other ones were of that time. There's Onibaba is the classic one from like, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, That that's like the original classic uh, of the the J horror genre. But there, there are ones like there are ones that you will have seen have seen adaptations of, or maybe you wouldn't necessarily know were were adaptations if you kind of looked up. A, you know, what are the list of the 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 greatest um, the greatest J horror movies of all time? Have you have um, you ever seen Itchy the Killer? No, I haven't. No, that's that that was like one of the first. Hmm. Uh, Japanese horror films that um, was brought to my attention and I remember it's sort of yeah. like the back of the case yeah. and uh, and I remember someone at work telling me about it and I was like I cannot think of a film that I would want to watch less than that mm. 
There is a movie. Uh, have you ever heard of? I know Jack probably has, uh, not because he would have seen it, but because I know Mark Kermode has talked about it a lot over the years. Have you ever heard of a movie called Audition, Mark? I don't think so. Um, Audition is a movie. It's one of those where don't ever look up anything about it if you're going to go watch it. <laughs> well, I'm not. Um, so. <laughs> but but that said, um, I think even for me. Uh, a massive fan of horror, someone most accustomed to gore, it may have been beyond the pale. <laughs> yeah. uh, so right. take take from that what you will, my friend. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I suppose uh, the best modern example of of horror from um, uh, Japan, or in this case, Korea, what I'm about to mention is Parasite. That was That's like not really the- horror. Oh, it is. I don't, I don't consider Parasite horror. Oh, it's definitely like it's what I suppose the the pretentious among us would now refer to as the elevated horror. Uh, horror. <laughs> um, I, I guess. I mean, I feel it's more. It's just a film that like does social commentary, but it's a is, film that's horrifying. But that's I that's I what the best parasite uh, to be horror though. But that's what the that's what like the best horror movies do is like they are making social commentary or yeah, but it's way something. less like, you know, like you, you know the way like like, like um. Dawn of the Dead and shit like that is about consumerism, not yeah, about yeah, zombies yeah. And, and shit sure. like that. But I, I would definitely categorize it as a horror movie. Oh. It's not like the scariest horror movie you'll ever see, but it's no, definitely got, got the, the tenets and the the structure of a horror movie. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's that. And then finally, very quickly, uh, it's on Disney+, Plus. but I watched uh, Thor Love and Thunder again, just because I was like, did I catch myself on a bad day with that one, or does it really suck? It does. It's not great. Um, it's it's decidedly bang average at best. I will say it plays a little better as a home experience rather than a theatre experience. Um, but that's about all I can say for it. And much like we, we literally were talking about him last week, Christian Bale uh, really thinks he's in a completely different movie. Um, but the, the thing... Well, one of the things that really I just absolutely hate it about that movie is just the the constant the thing about like um stormbreaker being like a jilted lover when uh thor is like sees mjolnir sort of back together with jane um and like basically stormbreaker has the arse with him for the whole movie uh there are a couple of cool moments like you know that november rain swell as the the kids uh, throw down with the, the no, shadow no, monsters. No, Marine is not a good song. There's a bad bit. It's, it's, it's trying to do, imi- it's trying to do immigrant it's, song, but it doing it, it's it's a, song. It, no, it's a bad song. No, it's 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 a great needle drop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is a good needle drop. An example of a good needle drop throughout yeah. that movie. It's because it's, it's that good bit of November Rain as well. Yeah. Like the first four or five minutes of November Rain, I'll give you can be torturous, but the payoff of November Rain is yeah. that great. If, if anything, segment. you should be on board because it's literally it cuts out all the fucking chuffer of November Rain and just gets yeah. to the good bit. Okay, exactly. it's just the high spot. <laughs> but I, I think actually my bigger issue. Besides the fact that I don't like the Marine, is the whole bit there about where Thor just like, oh, by the way, all these kids now have my power. It, uh, the, yeah, I the, could, the, my brain could not make that leap. It wouldn't the, accept it. The, yeah, the thing, the thing that gets me about that uh, is more that like it's one of those after the Avengers movie. Couldn't all problems in these movies be solved by hey, why don't we just call the Avengers? And it took them like a couple of phases for them to start coming up with reasons why the Avengers were unavailable. And yeah, you get this where Thor casually turns around and does this and I'm just like 
so you've been able to do this the whole time. This could have come in handy, like, say, when Hela was destroying Asgard or, you know, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I totally get that. Take that. Um, but yeah, Christian Bale is good. Um, there are a couple of good dramatic moments that Taika Waititi can't help but completely undercut with really, really bad jokes a lot of the time. Like, it's not, uh, for the most part, a funny movie. It tries so painfully to be a funny movie. And there are maybe like two laughs in this movie. Um there there's a great <laughs> there's surprisingly the best joke in the film is probably there there's a joke about sacrificing children where he says something that could be misinterpreted as them sacrificing the children when they get them back, and he just goes, Oh, but we're not doing that. I mean, anymore. Those were dark times. And that's, that's like one decent gag. And then like, again, there's a really dumb gag with the screaming goats that that does make me laugh. But I, I, I get that that's just me really enjoying dumb jokes. Um, I like dumb jokes, but I just yeah. didn't find it funny. It felt like a joke I don't from know. fucking the, 12 years ago. The, the comic timing of like them smashing into the tiny planet. All right, that one I the, almost got, the, I got a wry smile the, from, but that's it. What sells it is that there's like a second of silence the, the, the delay, and yeah. then the scream. Yeah, that's that's what got it. Um, it is just, it's a bad film. It, it yeah. feels almost like... It's like a, a kind of caricature or like a parody of a takeaway TT film, and like and just all the subtlety has just the, been stripped the, away. The, the CG, not that there's much subtlety to begin yeah. with, and the, the CG, CG is, is horrendous, absolutely yeah. horrendous. And again, once again, what in the name of God was Russell Crowe going for? No, no notes. <laughs> Russell Crowe is perfect in this movie. No notes. No notes. Accent, 10 out of 10. Like Presence, you, a thousand out of 10. But what I want to know here, what I want to know here, right, no. is like, how did it come down to deciding to have Russell Crowe do this part? Is like, did Take Away TT have like, right, I need, I need someone to play Zeus and all right, I'm going to put it out there and we're going to get some auditions in. And then for whatever reason, like whatever fucking Tati was smoking that day, he was just like, yeah, that that's doing it for me. Or did he just decide he wanted Zeus and decide he wanted Russell Crowe and he didn't care what accent? Or maybe he did want like, <laughs> maybe it's he's just like, like, I know what I'm going to get out of this and I want that. Maybe it's just that like they're literally running out of actors that haven't been in an MCU role at this There's point. That. Maybe there's an Antipodean WhatsApp group yeah. for people that have made it to Hollywood from New one, Zealand and one, Australia. Yeah. One thing like, I, I mean, will say... At some say, point, Jack Black is going to be the MCU. Like, like he could have been Zeus. Yeah, we're definitely entering um, the phase of Russell Crowe's career where he's just being a big weird ham and everything. Um, and I suppose we should be thankful that he got they they got him cast as Zeus out of the way before like they start making X-Men movies and could have given him something important um <laughs> so like what, there is fucking that Russell Crowe striker or something oh god knows although uh, speaking of MCU dudes Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross is a great bit of casting uh Getting him in there for the Thunderbolts is going to be fun. Depends how much uh, energy we get <laughs> yeah. from him, though. Yeah, but like, I mean, he's going to be good for like two scenes. So, you know, yeah, you're yeah. hoping at least some level of natural charisma will just kind of drag yeah. him through. I mean, yeah. he is real good, but yeah. I don't know if we're going to. But he, did, yeah, he doesn't turn it on. He can. No. Because he is, much as that movie is kind of aggressively okay in hindsight, 
He's very good in the Force Awakens. Force Awakens, he's he was tremendous. His his stuff was the high point for me. Yeah, the 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 he, scene where he, he walks onto the Falcon and says, "Chewie, we're home," and he just sells it all yeah. with his face. The only like, the only so thing good. that makes me excited about them doing another another Indiana Jones is when you listen to him talk about it. I think he really puts it in for whatever this movie's going to be. So I think he's going to be good in it, even if the movie turns out to be dog shit. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go along with that. Uh, right, let's go to video games. Um, and Mark, let's let's start with you. So, as mentioned, I got my Steam Deck, and uh, I was like, you know, what's what's the first thing that I'm going to play on this? And uh, naturally, the the first choice was 2009's, uh, sorry, 2010's Vanquish by Platinum Games. Um, Why? Well, because I started Vanquish um, sometime earlier this year. I played through, like, the first chapter. And it's I thought not- you were going to say in 2010, and your save was called, pick this up again, May 2010, <laughs> love, Mark. Yeah. Uh, no, I, it was a game that I'd never played kind of first time round, and um, I saw it was on it was on Steam a while ago. So I got it, and I started playing it, but I never actually... Uh, I, yeah, I only played through, like, the first chapter, and then I just got distracted and moved on to something else um and and the steam deck seemed like the perfect time to pick it up it was steam deck verified it was it was like yeah this will work on that so i was like you know fuck it we'll we'll go with that then um it's not a game that'll be too taxing uh even though like you know i've seen people playing elden ring and you have to drop some of the specs down but it'll still play that fine so i was like all right yeah vanquish will work fine then and i had started it and I, I wanted to finish it and it's not a particularly long game so I thought fuck it we'll go with it again and there's that period right in when Platinum Games came around in 2009 you had like a bunch of games there that they were behind where you had Mad World Bayonetta Vanquish Metal Gear Rising Revengeance The Wonderful 101 and right now the quality of those games does vary to some degree but they're all I, I fucking have a, I have a massive soft spot for Wonderful 101 but they're all fucking mad. Like in their oh, own, yeah. in their own beautiful way. They're all fucking mental games. And I have a softer spot for Revengeance than a fair few people. And I found out the other day because I was like, I really want to play Revengeance, but it's a PS3 game. How am I gonna get my hands on that? That motherfucker's on Steam. So that's what's next to my Steam Deck. Thank you very much. And you play Vanquish. Um, now, first of all, either you two play Vanquish before? No. no. Right. You play through through Vanquish and you actually see like the kind of the the kind of embryonic kind of core of what would turn out to be Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Like in some ways this feels like a um a kind of audition for Revengeance, but it it's more trapped in the uh the kind of mid to late two thousands of that Gears of War, chest high war, third person uh, shooter type of style of game like there, it has all the trappings of that but and in fairness like Gears of War for me like that original trilogy doesn't actually feel like it's aged all that much I go back to it every now and again and it still feels you know super satisfying to play but the thing with Vanquish is it takes that kind of core idea of what Gears of War was but then adds rocket boots basically and you can just fucking slide around on your knees to your heart's content, like flying around the stage, taking out enemies. And it just adds this this pace and velocity that 
Gears of War could never have because, you know, Marcus Phoenix is a 300-pound fucking beef bot and he's he's slow and clunky and, you know, the game isn't really about movement and fidelity in a way that Vanquish is. So it takes all of that kind of core gameplay of, of Gears of War but then just kind of ramps it up to 11 by letting you slide around in this mech suit. And it's basically Gears of War but, but with anime mech. And it fucking rocks. Like, I've just had a big... It's it's such a... You know, if you think of, like, just a video game, like, what is a video game-ass video game? And Vanquish just ticks all the boxes. It's, it's just big and dumb and spectacular, but it's so super satisfying. And the way you can switch around weapons super, like, really quickly and cleanly and, you know, the way the enemies come towards you. And it's not got that... It's, you know, the degree that Doom has in terms of that that kind of chess mechanic to it. But you've still got certain enemies that are easier to deal with with a shotgun. There's, like, this ray gun that um, works in conjunction with your, like, so your mech suit, um, if you start taking too many hits, it starts to overheat, basically, and you have to find somewhere to, to cool down. And it's the kind of thing, the way that um, health worked in the mid to late 2000s. But there's a particular, like, ray gun that is, like, kind of works in conjunction with your suit so you can blast and it's, it's like super OP but you can only use it for a certain amount of time before your suit will um, overheat so you have to use it kind of like in in moderation but you know once you have that that and uh, an assault rifle and you're good to go and yeah Vanquish is just like it's such a fucking ridiculous game and I know it's one of those like it's it's not unsung hero probably isn't the right turn now because it's so unsung that it's now kind of gone full circle and it's now just like hey no this is a great game that was on the ps3 but it wasn't as kind of popular or as played as like bayonetta or i guess revengeance to some degree because of the metal gear um branding but yeah i'm so glad that i went back and played this properly it's just it's just such a fucking like wonderful celebration of, of just a big dumb video game and uh and god oh, it plays so well on the steam deck it's so fucking smooth and uh yeah like i honestly if either of you ever did get around to getting a steam deck or even if you just you know have your pc it is really worth going back and checking out or even you know if you've still got your ps3 uh it's it's such as a you know like five six hours long campaign um and it's just it's one of those games that it feels like such a product of its time, but the gameplay is so well done that it doesn't feel like it's aged a day at all. Uh, it's, yeah, just... I, I don't know if we'll ever get a Vanquish 2, but oh, if it happens, I'm on that day one, let me tell you. Yeah, interesting. I really, I mean, I, I remember it coming out at the time, but I, I can't say that I've really thought about it since then. So, it, it still remains, I think, a game in the shadows for me. Yeah, well, you've, you've still got a PS3, haven't you? I still have a PS3. I haven't switched it on in a very long time. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'd i give it a hearty recommendation. I'm pr- pretty sure you could probably find that in CEX for 10 to 15 quid. I'll say that. Yeah. 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 Um, I would imagine so. The other thing that I, I was playing... Um, I started streaming it on Monday and I've played a whole bunch bunch since is a game called Cultic, which is this uh, retro style themed first person shooter that, um, you know, if you look at the way that the game is designed and you see the 2D sprites, uh, you, you know, would think immediately something like a Doom or a Duke Nukem. Um, it, 
apparently has more in common. There was a game in uh, the late 90s called Blood, which is a game that I'm not particularly familiar with. I did go and watch some footage of it to kind of see um, where the comparisons come from. And, uh, you know, instead of having those like tight uh, kind of sci-fi corridor type environments that Doom I guess starts with, but obviously it goes off like off the rails. Um, this is a little bit more kind of open and expansive and not so much about um, finding, you know, the correct uh, key pass to open the door. Um, it's just, it's a little bit more open and expansive, but this is like a proper fucking satisfying first person shooter. Um, it's got a real crunchiness to it. Uh, the way that, you know, when you fire a weapon, you really feel the recoil and the way that the kind of screen bounces around. Um, and as such, you know, like for me, a first person shooter, if your shotgun is good, you've got a good game to me and this shotgun, um, it, it's got that recoil to it, but just like the way that, um, the, the bodies explode on contact, uh, it, it absolutely nails that. And one of the things about this game that I think is where some of the comparisons, uh, to blood come into is the way that it incorporates, uh, dynamite and Molotov cocktails. And you can see how the game is inviting you to think about using dynamite because sometimes if you come across uh, like a small campfire of about four or five enemies you can use your weapons but like even on the normal difficulty that i'm playing ammo is fairly scarce so the game is really inviting you to you know use your dynamite try and clear out four or if not like all of the the, the enemies um and so you can kind of conserve your ammo and also just blowing up enemies with dynamite is tremendous good fun but it'll add like other things as well, like there are lanterns that you can pick up, you can throw those and use those to, to burn enemies. Um, and it's got it's got a really good like it I don't know what the fuck the story is and what's going on, but there's this, you know, kind of like satanic cult sort of vibe to it. You've got skeletons with shotguns. There's a bit in the first level where you drop down into these kind of dank caverns where um you've got these kind of like sort of mummified bodies hanging from the ceiling that are don't move and there's a locked door so you go to that you can't open it and you have to keep going on into like a further kind of like darkened area and you get to the end and you find the key and obviously you have to turn back around and you've been having all of these bodies that you've had to walk through that hang in and then as you pick up the key you hear this kind of like evil laugh in the background and you're like all right well that fucking there's something that's coming for me and there's like this giant sort of like dungaree wearing skeleton with a chainsaw that's like this 300 pound monster that starts chasing you around as these like mummified corpses start dropping to the ground and start coming up and kind of wandering around and he with a chainsaw he's like fucking going for them as much as, as he is going for you and uh it's pretty fucking rad and even i as someone who's not like on the kind of horror side of things again it just it falls more into the side of it's just big and fucking dumb and i'm, I'm all about it um so yeah cultic like i i know i mentioned to you on on monday dave that this yeah. would be extremely your jam mm -hmm. um i don't th i think it's only on pc i want to say is. i, I yeah. looked it up straight away but uh that's you know it it may well come out to other stuff later so i'll yeah. keep it in mind um and so i know this is it's referred to as cultic chapter one so i believe there's a chapter two that's coming next year but i from what i've heard that's kind of like its own separate thing in terms of the story or, or whatever the case is okay. uh but just as i was playing through this first chapter i was like they would be fucking all over this so yeah, yeah no it sounds by what you said there that it would be right up my strata so it's it's definitely something i'll be uh keeping an eye on 
uh, for when it comes to something I own because I'm not I'm, I'm just not getting into the the Steam Deck nonsense or PC gaming nonsense. Sorry, <laughs> McGee. <laughs> I'm just not getting on that train. Um, Jack, um, it's golf season. Yes, I have been out on the uh, on the links playing uh, I, the new. I, go on. I I know I I'm excited because I my sole memory of your first ever appearance on this podcast as a guest was absolutely annihilating that year's uh, golf game. <laughs> yeah, so EA just absolutely shit themselves inside out, fell off a cliff, just. It, it was kind of around the time they dropped Tiger Woods and then they brought out EA Sports, Rory McIlroy, PGA Tour, whatever the did, fuck it did was Did they called. drop Tiger Woods because of his, shall we say, problematic years? Yeah, they dropped... <laughs> it's funny, like, now to think about Tiger Woods having an argument with his wife because he slept with a bunch of other women and her, like... <laughs> don't, forget, hit, hit, don't forget driving into a tree. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. It's like yeah, her hitting his car and him driving into a tree and, and that being a, a thing that's problematic now, like... Given some of the horrible, problematic things we've heard about public figures in the last 10 years or so since that, that, that kind of seems like you get over that in a week now kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, EA just fell off massively. Uh, and, you know, the, the space has kind of been filled in terms of golf games with the golf club for a while. And then the mechanics and, and bits and pieces from that taken and improved really uh, and, and molded into the 2K series. Uh, so the last one was 2K21, so they took a bit of a break. And this, now we have uh, uh, PGA 2K23, which is a pretty good golf game. I'm not going to lie. It's a good game. Um, it feels good to play. Um, it kind of scratches that itch of exactly what I wanted. You know, it's, it, it, it's very immediately pick up and playable, whether you just want to play a course or whether you want to do like, you know, develop your you can build your own character, develop your character out and go into the uh, into the tour mode and everything and, and, and go through a PGA Tour season. Um, the actual feel and gameplay of the golf is great. You can select between swing styles. So you can go with the sort of, you know, established uh, towards the end of the EA sports uh, golf games where you, you have the, the swing where you pull back on the analog stick and then push forward to swing your golf club. Or you can do like the traditional style, you know, Mario golf, I'll, I'll say, but probably existing long before that uh, three click swing where you click and then you click and then you click. So I tried the three click swing and I, I've got to say it felt abysmal (laughs) so i i didn't i didn't want to do the three click swing i just did the traditional swing and it felt good like it felt it felt really nice to play the courses look really nice i don't think in terms of like graphical fidelity it's getting anywhere near uh out of the playstation 5 what it could do like this doesn't look a million miles away from pga tour 2k21 that came out a couple years ago um which came out for the ps4 like there's not a huge difference and a huge step up in terms of graphics i mean this thing probably got ported to fucking everything i'd imagine yeah yeah exactly so it uh, and and actually just going out onto a course and playing a round of golf um is exactly what you want it to be like it's 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 a good it feels good to play like the thing the the ball 
bouncing and everything feels like kind of you know it, physics wise it feels good and it kind of makes a lot of sense um and so from that perspective i i really like it there's 20 courses all of them are like standard uh us pga tour courses i mean like the highlights of the big ones that you've won in there uh tpc tpc sawgrass um which is you know famous for that island green 17th and you've got like riviera and bay hill now what it's missing is Augusta National. Yeah, it's but Augusta's missing. like the new camp, you know, like you're paying the extra dollar for that sort of thing. Yep. It's missing any of the open courses, so you don't get St. Andrews or, you know, Royal St. George's or Hoy Lake or anything like that. Uh, and it's missing, you know, the, 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 the courses that were the PGA Championship and... US Open courses for this year. Bit of an issue so when your game's called PGA 2K23, right? Uh, it is, but the PGA Tour and the majors are kind of separate things, right? Uh, so, uh. Does, does anyone, like, uh, are there any other, uh, like, um, kind of major golf games out there at the moment? Because I'm wondering, like, does anyone actually you, you, own... You, you actually, yeah, you're kind of jumping on... Oh, I'm so sorry. Getting... My apologies. Yeah, I was no, no. Ask... I was, it's, yeah. It's, so the point I was about to make was, you're missing all of those courses, and about a week or two before this came out, EA perked up. EA have decided to get back into the golf game market, and EA's uh, trailer, A, graphically looked on another level to this game, and B, they were straight off the bat with, we have Augusta National. Ah, those fuckers. Right. So it kind of felt, I mean, incredibly purposely timed by EA to sort of take a little bit of the spotlight and a little bit of the shine off the release of this game. Um, Almost saying, you know, well, you could play these 20 run-of-the-mill PGA Tour courses or you could wait until our game comes out in spring 23 and then you can play Augusta National and you can play, you know, St. Andrews and you can go and play these courses. But So it, (laughs) it did feel a little bit like EA were trying to get a bit of one-upmanship but you know what if you're not that bothered about that sort of thing if you just want a golf game if you just want to relax wind down and play like a really good golf simulator this is about as bloody good as you're going to get in in terms of this current generation and i think the one thing that i would fear with the ea games uh coming out is how much absolute nonsense they put into the last rory mcelroy pga tour thing and how many like micro transaction things there were in there how there was a mode in there that was just like a sort of mobile game where you got like between one and three star rating for things and then you had to keep grinding so it to unlock I, points and so on i am um, something about the EA games like i haven't talked that much of it FIFA 23, which I've obviously been playing since it came out because it's me, for God's sake. Sure, yeah. But um, something that has distressed me over the last couple of years is what I can only describe as, like, the maddenification of every EA game. Um, They're all starting to... They all kind of felt like different games in terms of, like, the UI and stuff like that years ago, but now, like, the most pernicious slash generic things from each of the the sports games are starting to bleed across into the other ones, so, like... Which is FIFA's interesting, u- because... FIFA's I'm- Ultimate Team went to Madden and is in NHL as well, and yeah. the menus now in FIFA are very Madden, and... But they're actually different studios, though, surely, because, like, the FIFA ones are done by uh, the Vancouver 
to the uh, yeah. studio. I, I'm pretty I sure. imagine it's an internal style. It, it just things cross. Like, they yeah, they yeah, all share I that guess. frostbite engine as well. That is true. That is a good point as well. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine when the engine is designed to fit a specific kind of UI that everybody look in some respects I, I can't fucking blame them because it's like hey it's just going to save you a lot of time if you just take the framework that we already have that works on this thing for your thing look, when you've got but, a fucking nine month turnaround for these things you, yeah but you just when you, when you said that Jack about like stuff that's been creeping into the EA games over the years I just got intensely triggered by <laughs> Like, yeah, no, I, I hear it. That, that see, that'd be my main my main nervousness about that EA game. I probably will pick it up though and play it just mm. to to see what it is because uh, I love the Masters outside of outside of my 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 love of football um, and all footballing events. My second favorite uh, sporting occasion is the Masters, um, and you know it ed- even edges out the Super Bowl. There's just something about that that course the feel of how that week is it just it's just different completely different um so i the ability to play around it in those good pga tour games towards like before we got stupid the the um i remember the first masters edition of uh pga tour where you got to play at Augusta National for the first time, and I played the hell out of that thing, like platinum <laughs> trophied that thing, which on a golf EA golf game is extremely hard to do. Dave will probably attest because I know he got a platinum on a FIFA once. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was like zero point two percent of people have the platinum in those kind of games. That was what it was when I got it in FIFA right, as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's the same deal with that. So I played the hell out of that thing. So if it is as good of a golf simulator as as the uh, 2K uh, golf simulators, then I'll I'll jump on board and, you, and definitely. Do you, do you know what EA really needs to do with with that next golf game is? And I feel like this has been missing now from these golf games. It needs an Alex Hunter style story mode for golf. Huh? Yeah. Well, that that's what I was gonna say. I I think like the. The PGA 2K, they try and put like a a little bit of like you know you have your rival in a tournament or whatever, and you see them, you see yourself and your rival kind of walking down the fairway together, and that that's pretty cool. But there's not really much more to it than that. There's a couple of like awkward cutscenes that they do, which feel a bit like um, the sort of thing SSX did at 20 years ago, um, which 20 years ago was pretty cool to have those little cutscenes. But now it's like, well, we could do so much more. Yeah. So if, again, if EA corner that market on a golf game i think it would be it would also be really cool mm. there's lots of uh like well-known golfers in this as well from across the tours like live tour pga tour they're, they're all in the game they're all licensed for some reason michael jordan and steph curry are also licensed and in this game so you could play as michael jordan wearing like basketball shorts and and his like signature jordan ones or steph is curry. spider-man in it like how crazy are we going no 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 no. there's no spider-man in it and you get like a good blend of the best golfers in the world um who've signed up from from like male and female and they're all kind of blended together in the game as well which i think is a, a great positive step in the right direction as well in terms of inclusivity in the game so i would merit it for that but really like at the moment it doesn't feel like enough of a full upgrade like if you've got 2k21 it doesn't feel like enough of a full upgrade for you to want to pay full price for at the moment which is like 55 60 quid over in the uk um if you wanted to get this game brand new it feels like the sort of game that even by christmas you'll probably be able to pick up for like 30 
40 quid at, at most um but yeah if you do you'll get like a really solid really enjoyable seven eight on its uh, in its best moments out of 10 golf game mm. and yeah i just find them incredibly relaxing to play and i got pretty much exactly what i wanted from it but uh there is that looming presence of the new ea golf game <laughs> on the horizon and that is a bit of a threat to what has been like i say all the way through the golf club and now up to these 2k games a little bit of like a cornered market by 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 uh, 2k slash the golf club so uh yeah the, the the monster is back and is hunting and we'll see if it's any good when it does come out but 2k23 if you did pay full price for it if you know if you've if, if you've got somebody in your life that's bought it for you or whatever i i don't think you'll be disappointed by it but it also isn't going to be pulling up any trees in terms of originality is is ea still branding their games as like rory mcelroy's golf um, rory's featured heavily in the trailer but i think it's just going to be ea golf right basically yeah is, okay. is what i yeah i think that's going to be the way they start moving now because obviously ea sports fc is what we're going to have next year instead of fifa with that coming to an end yeah um, yeah exactly i mean yeah. i wonder like I, I guess it's just cheaper to do it that way like they're at the point where they're so you don't pay anybody like- for a license you know, like, like it, they're so synonymous at this point. It's like we don't actually need to put anyone's fucking face on it. Like the game's gonna sell. You know, we well, don't need Sol Campbell. We're all right. What? What is there, Jack? <laughs> we don't need Sol Campbell. <laughs> is there? Do you know by any chance, Jack, what the situation is with the licensing of the John Madden name? Because obviously, like they pay the John Madden's estate. Uh, a heap of money but is that like are they still locked into a long term deal did he sign it over in perpetuity do you know anything about that um I think I think it was due to expire like this year but then I think they they extended it and it's I think it's currently extended through 2026 so until 2026 we will be having EA football games be Madden but I, I don't know any of the details about that contract. Okay. Like, well, well you should. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that inside scoop. But um, are there any actually like other uh, major companies making football games? Because I know there's like the college football games. So even on the EA as well, or am I like... Well, the, the, the college, the thing you just mentioned with the college football games, like that went away for a long, long time. Right. Like, the last NCAA game was like maybe even a decade ago because I, I remember because, seeing those on the playstation 2 maybe that's yeah, yeah that's how far we're going back oh yeah exactly right. yeah um so i i think that was mainly because they were you know featuring teams and logos and players and all sorts of stuff and you know how american college athletics works in that the people that are you know out there playing get absolutely no financial recompense yeah so you know, in terms of image rights and stuff like that, they weren't really getting a fair shake. And instead of, um, you know, just maybe fronting up the NCAA and just maybe paying or giving some money to the players for their image rights, they were just like, ah, oh, no, let's just not have these games anymore. <laughs> it's kind of how that went, um, which is lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, the the games used to be pretty good, actually. They they were a lot more fun. They felt a lot more arcadey than the, the Madam games. Um, but yeah, I think they are making a, a comeback soon. I think they did figure out that situation. But um, yeah, there's there's no one else. I don't think that makes any um, like any major competitor to Madden no. anyway. Hey Dave, what have you been playing? 
I've been playing a bunch of stuff. Um, I guess the the most kind of like the the quickest thing to talk about is um, I've I've, I've done the 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 game of the fear thing, and I've decided just all of a sudden I'm gonna play some cyberpunk again. What? Yeah, all right. Now, so they, they had a, a an update recently, if yeah. I recall, um, and like everyone's sort of now going like cyberpunk is good. Sort of is is this, is the messaging that I'm hearing. This is what I'm looking to find out. So I'm working through the kind of like early period before the game properly opens up to see what happens when it opens up because the one time I tried to do that before when it did open up there was fuck all to do mm-hmm. um, so I'm doing that now to see like alright game time to knock my socks off I will say in this new save a um, couple hours in haven't and this like it shouldn't be a, a, an absolutely mind blowing thing to say but in a couple hours haven't come across one technical hiccup whatsoever. No T-posing? It, it, no T-posing. It's, it's so much moving, disappointing. It's moving nice and smooth. Um, menus aren't going weird. Um, Is this the PS5 version? Yes. Right. Um, the one thing I will say that I think really actively harms my enjoyment of this game, and I feel like I'm turned into Matt Niner here, um, is I don't like that this game is first person. I, I'm not usually that guy. Like, I don't really care, usually. But there's something about this, and maybe it's that, like, when I'm thinking CD Projekt Red game, I'm thinking of Witcher and that being third person and um, how many hours I spent on that. And in my head, I'm like, this would work much better. But it would work much better as a third person game for me. Um, and you get a little snippet of what that would be like because when you go into cars you can change to a third person camera while you're driving thank god because i hate driving in first person um in in these kind of games where it's not like a racing game um and yeah it feels much better when you're kind of pulled a little bit back from the action um but yeah, it's it's fine so far. And like I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and just go, ah, still dog shit. Can, uh, can, can I, I say? Yet? Can I say, Dave? I did have a very brief moment today where I was like, I could get Cyberpunk on the Steam Deck. I wonder and, what that's like on Steam Deck. Well, so it's not verified, but it's like I think there's only kind of like because the thing with the Steam Deck, when a game isn't verified, it'll give you like a list of reasons why, and one of them could simply just be that like the UI um, doesn't match up. But other mm. than that, like it plays totally fine. Like I was playing Rayman Origins, and that plays totally fine. Just it has like um, a different kind of U- a UI layout. So mm. like apparently like um, uh, Cyberpunk runs totally fine in regards to that. So th- there was a part of me, but then I also remembered that I didn't give a shit about c- Cyberpunk even before the game came out originally and the reviews came out. So because um, I remember and now this might change as well, but I remember like Jack and Barry were saying that even regardless of all of the technical issues as an actual game, it was quite boring. Um, and like, I don't know. And I didn't exactly care for the, the Witcher to begin with. So I'm still not over that hurdle yet. I'm going to need to hear a little bit more, or a lot more in terms of this is a thing that you actually need to play before I get to that point. Well, watch this space. I, I will say, obviously, uh, with the things we probably need to play by the end of the year, 
I wouldn't describe it as being urgent <laughs> no. in any way. No, but, I need to get uh, my 3DO working first. Yeah. Um, what else have I been playing? An interesting phenomenon has happened to me in work. Like, periodically, I will be into playing a particular type of game, and then I will notice all the young people in the groups start playing this. This happened to me, as I documented, I think on the podcast, but certainly to you guys in our group chat with Cuphead. Um, where I was starting to replay Cuphead in the build-up to the delicious last course, and I was playing it in work, and all of a sudden, everybody, all the young people were playing, were buying and playing Cuphead. I think I need to be on the take from um, Studio MDHR at this stage um, for the amount of copies of that game I just randomly sold before the DLC came out. Uh, there is now a small... Uh, mural to Cuphead up on the wall by the bathroom in work that somebody painted uh, as well. Uh, and the latest thing that unexpectedly caught on uh, in work with all the young people is fucking Tetris. And it just goes to show that like when you nail the mechanics of a game that it is quite literally timeless. Like Mario games, the the uh, the, the the old 2D Mario games will always have a timeless quality to them that people nowadays can pick up a good one of those and just still bash through it and have a lot of fun and we have gone from the point where like I was playing a couple absentmindedly playing some Tetris games when people were coming in and them sitting down and going oh I'd like to play a bit of that I, I what I usually do is I are play, we talking like, like effects specifically so this is what I was going to say I what I what I was doing so that I could bring it on the train and it's like a nice kind of like de-stress get outside my head thing is try to play marathon mode on Puyo Puyo Tetris where it's just in Tetris you're just trying to get survive to 150 lines yeah um and i i I do that a lot um so i'd be playing that and that evolved into us playing puyo puyo tetris uh, and now it's evolved into we have this gaming station that got donated to us where it's like two i think i might have sent you guys a picture like two huge screens uh either side of this unit and there's consoles in either side there's the xbox series beautiful thing i've ever seen there's the Xbox Series S on one side that we got, and then I, when I bring in my Switch, plug in my Switch to the other TV. So the last two weeks, we have had Puyo Puyo Tetris on one side while Tetris Effect is going on on the other side. Some might say that's too much Tetris. It's, it's sickening, and there's like they're coming into me just going. I've been in all, I've been in school all day, either playing or thinking about Tetris. <laughs> And like it started off with, oh God, I haven't played Tetris since I was a kid or I've only played a little bit or I've never actually played Tetris. I've just seen people play Tetris to them coming in talking about I've been practicing my tea spinning this week and like using proper Tetris terminology. And a couple of them have now watched uh, the Ecstasy of Order, the, the oh, Tetris Masters documentary that we that we reviewed on this show before. Oh, my word. Um, the other thing I've been playing inspired by yourself and the encroaching game of the year void uh, is Elden Ring. I'm um, still a Souls guy, by the way. Just want to say, took down my second dragon guy. today. Yeah. So I've been doing, um, this time I'm kind of, instead of flying blind, I'm like, right, what I need to do is see as much of this game as possible by December. Um, Why are you the- doing this podcast right now then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without necessarily, because I have other stuff to be doing, so I can't throw myself in like like you were to get over the hump with it. Yeah. Um, so what I did was, I was like, I found a guide where what the guide does is he basically guides you around the periphery so that you can get all your 
sites of grace and your map fragments and things like that to basically unlock the whole map and some handy fast travel points before you go into substantial combat of any point. Now, I have been kind of taking off rows from that. Like, I, I, I beat up that fucking... Uh, sword fire cat thing that you were you were dealing with on stream oh, yeah, that that break. I, I, i'd beaten him before though like he was the one i had beaten during my original run and um i tried a couple of the i i don't know because I, I didn't watch any more of your streaming but um i went into a couple of the ever jails yeah um, oh, they're, they're really fun. I actually, yeah. they're pretty like my favorite bosses in the game so far. Because yeah, so there's a I challenge the, to them, but they're not so overwhelming. I beat the dog fuck out of that uh, werewolf bastard guy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like right near, um, like where you kind of like the game opens up in Limgrave. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's been really good to kind of see parts of the map I never got to because like if you don't know the right route you're just going to get killed like before you get a chance to look around so I'm getting good looks around deep into Caled and and things like that um without necessarily feeling like I need to book it straight out of there um which is good for the experience and like um I gotta like, say I've I've pretty much avoided Kaled for the most part because anytime I get anywhere near there I just feel like something is going to kill it like yeah there's and such a kind of yes. foreboding yeah. feeling and vibe about the area that mm. I was like I yeah. want nothing to fucking do with this place what I should do I might send you on this guy because what he does is he's like for he, he sends you towards all the map fragments towards like a couple of handy sites of grace per area and then what he does as well is he will get you a really good, regardless of what your build is going to be, um, he will get you, here's a good weapon if you're going for a dex build, or here's a good one for a strength build and stuff like that. So that he, when he goes, right, now we're going to go off and we're going to attack proper bosses, you have a, like a, a fairly varied enough build that you can go, okay, um, this is what I'm going to specialize in or, you know, I don't have to do the legwork of trying to blindly stumble upon something that will really help me here. Um, well, I, I've, I've mostly been using the, the Bloodhound Fang, um, mm. which means that whenever I play the game, I just automatically have the bear touch in my yeah. head. And uh, that's, you know, brought the game up obviously three or four yeah. notches. So I, I got early on, he, this guy guided me towards the Morningstar mace thing, which is yeah, yeah. like real fucking handy um and yeah i have a couple of weapons like that now which are really good i've been using um the the teleporters as well to get around which are really cool um but really really scary because there was one point where i went in he was guiding me into these ruins right and i was like oh i know where he's leading me I didn't follow where he was leading me. I just assumed I knew. And I went down because he was like, you need to go down the stairs and get this chest. And I didn't realize there was two stair sets of stairs underground into two different rooms with two different chests in this area. And I went to the wrong one and it was a teleporter. It was loop. A tele yeah, I know exactly where that is. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, as it turns out, like it's pr if you know the route, once you get caught in that teleporter loop, it is pretty easy to get out of there. Hmm. Like you just like, go out of that shack in those mines you turn right 
fucking leg it downhill and out of the cave and actually, there's a sight of grace right there yeah that's actually what i did as well because i yeah. have yeah i have that sight of grace as well it's like the one yeah. area in caleb that i am that's a, uh, i was so, gonna say yeah. for somebody that was keenly trying to avoid caleb you probably shit a brick when you came out of that cave well, that and realized the, where you were well in fairness cause, yeah because that was the first time i would have seen caleb because i remember i came out of the cave because i did it on the stream as well and i saw like the kind of like fucking pitch red sky yeah and sean was in in the chat was just like welcome to caleb I was like, well, this is a big old bag of nope. I think I'll just go back inside now, thanks. And you get like little tips that you wouldn't necessarily have paid attention to or realized when you're stuck in a gameplay loop where it's just like, as he was going to bring me to Caleb deliberately for the first time, this guy was just like, and you do not want to go here at night, my friends. I was like, (laughs) okay, right, rest till morning and then I'm going to go this way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm probably doing it in a way that will discuss the, the hardcore players, but I'm going with the kind of the Garrett Kidney advice, which is like, I'll do whatever it takes to get over the wall to the point where, okay, I'm pretty conf, like, I don't know if confident would be the right word, but I'm less panicky when shit goes down in this game. I'm a bit more comfortable with the systems and things like that. I'll let the training wheels go off. I am firmly embracing the training wheels for now because I want to play this game and I want to beat it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've um really, really enjoying it. It's a really, really fucking good game. Hot um, takes, yeah. So I mean, much, like, again, it has to be a very special game that it's basically turned the two of us around on the genre. Well, look, I, I imagine that if I decide at some point to go back and play a, a Bloodborne or Dark Souls or whatever, the... Yeah. There's certain things about the pacing and the flow of those games that's going to be radically uh, different. From what everybody says, Bloodborne is the one that we would like. Because yeah, that's well, the one that's in terms of like speed and things like that is is much more digestible to people who aren't in on those yeah, games. Whereas I, like I I don't think either of us are going to savor going to like Souls. Demon Souls. Yeah. No, yeah. I have thought about that maybe I would um I would give Bloodborne a shout afterwards, but then maybe I it won't free. because I, I just want to continue annoying Niner by not playing the games that he likes. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. has that Disco Elysium playthrough going? That's uh, Christmas 2022, yeah. telling you right now, it'll I've, happen. I've strongly since all our chat about it on the show and since uh, our latest round of bullying you to play it, I've been thinking, maybe I'll get it on Switch. Well, I did buy the PS5 version and now I have the Steam Deck here and I'm just thinking, why the fuck will I not just buy it again on Steam Deck yeah. and I can pick it up when I need mm, to, but true. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so that's 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 what we've been playing. Uh, let's talk about video games. There has been a lot, seeing as you have been the Platinum Games correspondent on the show so far, Mark. There has been a lot of... Uh, back and forth about this voice acting controversy for Bayonetta 3. So yeah. give, give us the latest. So there was a, a series of tweets in a video by uh, Helena Taylor, who was the original voice actress for Bayonetta. Um, and she basically was saying that she was only offered $4,000 to work on the third game. Uh, which is, you know, if that is true, and this is what we'll get into, that is that is some incredible lowballing on um, the part of Platinum Games. From that, 
it's fair to say that you know things did um, blow up, um, which inclu- included um, God. What the fuck is is his name? I cannot remember for the life of me. Remember um, the guy from Platinum Games. Um, but you know he's notorious for being not the best tweeter or not being the most subtle of tweets uh, tweeters. Um, and he put out a pretty kind of blunt statement and then uh, fairly quickly deleted his account as well. I don't know if he's continued to is keep it, his account deleted. Is it Camilla? Yeah, it's Camilla. That's the one. Um, so yeah, he put a tweet out uh, basically saying don't believe everything that you see and then delete his account. So that was that. Um, and then he, he undeleted his account, by the way. He has undeleted it, okay. And he's right. also so notorious for blocking people that a uh, video games journalist who will not be named actually did a video where he flew to Japan just on the off chance that he might actually see how many people ha- he had on his block list. And at that time, like three or four years ago, it was over a thousand people. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but yeah, so it came out uh, today, I want to say. Um, Platinum Games put out a message basically offering its full support to Jennifer Hale, who is um, the voice actress in Bayonetta 3, because there had been a whole bunch, you know, basically all this kind of story is just saying that like uh, social media is awful and no one should ever use it and Musk, please buy Twitter so we can all just fucking leave it for good. Um, but. Uh, Platinum Studios were offering this full support to Jennifer Hale, um, you know, continuing to refute the uh, statements that were made by Taylor. um, And and Jennifer Hale was kind of trying to like, she was sort of trying to play like a kind of keep the peace to some degree. And it's just it's just been a fucking mess, really, from from all store, all sides. Uh, you know, Taylor continues to like say that her side was true. Platinum Games were trying to say, or oh, there was, um, I think it was Jason Schreier had a Bloomberg article, article, uh, kind of deep diving into that, and that the sort of like original story that it was just four thousand dollars wasn't technically true, and there was a little bit more to it than that. And it's yeah, it's just at the point where it's kind of a mess, and it's hard to know exactly what is the accurate story and. But it is possible to believe that, like, maybe there's been an exaggeration on her side and also believe that voice actors, as a rule, are hideously underpaid. It is absolutely the case that that both those things could be true, yes. Uh, I think that's where I fall down on it, is like, yes, maybe this is, uh, you know, we won't quite get to the truth of the they said, she said, um situation here but i think regardless of which compensation package you believe that she was offered i think it's it's safe to say that voice actors are underappreciated by the the medium um and definitely should be paid more up front and should be paid uh more or in some cases any at all uh in terms of royalties when a game is is massive because we we've haven't we before mark on the show talked about like voice actors who are like yeah i mean not only do i make fuck all up front but when this game went on to be like a massive unprecedented no success royalties. i didn't see penny so, one yeah yeah like i don't know what the the um the situation is in terms of like union unionization when it comes to voice acting um i'd imagine with a lot of stuff when it comes to america probably doesn't fucking exist um but i also know like you know for jennifer hale uh i know she's been getting a lot of unwarranted like she's probably the one person out of all of this is like why the fuck is anyone having to go at her like you know yeah. she was given this opportunity she took yeah. it like why 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 it, throw abuse in her it, direction it was, it was like it's kind of like 
when you remember Jack when Metal Gear Solid Five came out, there's people having a go at Kiefer Sutherland. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, he, he like he just took a job. Like it's not his fault that fucking Konami just fucking dropped the leg on David Hayter. Yeah, as it's bizarre. It's like, so if they're not gonna pay the original voice actress, like, does that mean no one else? is allowed to take the job at all in any way, shape or form. It just seems crazy. Like you would only have one person be able to do it. And if that, then no one else agrees. And like everybody has to know that as a rule. It's it's crazy because there are so many um, examples of extremely definitive people and extremely definitive positions that end up just getting replaced in the long run. I mean, not always for the better, a lot of the times for the worse, but you also can't really hate on the people that are willing to take it on because um, it's a bit of a gamble for them anyway in terms of, you know, living up to the the expectations of what people wanted from the character in the first place. But to go on Twitter and then kind of make out that it, it's her fault just seems crazy. I don't think there's, with the exception of Jennifer Hale, I don't think there's a single person that comes out of this with even the slightest shred of dignity. <laughs> like, Platinum Games look bad, Mia looks bad, like... Um, after all of the inf- int- uh, information that's come out, the original voice actress looks bad. Uh, Jason Schreier, maybe for bringing all of this out and starting all this conversation, maybe doesn't look great either. Uh, yeah, it's all the discourse that's surrounded it from people on Twitter who are getting annoyed yeah. in different directions. It, it, it kind of makes them all look bad as well. I just, oh, I don't know. It has it's kind been of one of those the, stories where I just kind of want it to go away at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it has been the capital D discourse of the week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it, has, it has go away heat for me now. Yeah, because like the other thing with it as well is, is everyone now sort of saying like, oh, you should boycott Bayonetta 3. And it's like, I, I don't know exactly what you expect to achieve with that, partially on, on the fact that um, the like the complete and um, whole accuracy of this story, I wouldn't exactly say is, is like concrete to any degree. So... Yeah. You know, like I, uh, the two kind of big boycott discourse games that we've seen doing the rounds over the last uh, couple of months has been this, and obviously the uh, Hogwarts game. And um, mm. now, and and as well, we had a little bit of it with the um, ZAUM thing, where people yeah, are that's true. before it officially exists, saying that we should boycott the Disco Elysium sequel. Yeah, because like you know, people talk about. Um, if you do boycott it, you only harm the people that have made those games. Um, mm. And like how much of that is, yeah. is true and how much of it, you know, when you come to like dental royalties and how the sale of the game does, how much that can pay, yeah. uh, like work into people's bonuses and that kind of nonsense. Yeah. And I, I think I particularly uh, agree with it when it comes to the Hogwarts game, because it's like, yes, like you deciding not to buy that game doesn't hurt JK Rowling one jot. I'm sure her, whatever compensation she's getting was locked in when the like the ip was given yeah uh, over to make this game like she unfortunately she is going to be fine financially um yeah i don't know um, there's a mess yeah jack, jack can i ask you were you a perfect dark guy uh, I played it when it when it was about originally. Yeah, yeah I liked it. Uh, the multiplayer, I would say, somewhat underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think it's almost as good as Goldeneye. Yeah, um, in the multiplayer modes. Mm. And uh, yeah, I haven't 
despite having like the rare replay collections and stuff i haven't replayed it in a very mm. very long time i will say um before we get into this story just you mentioned rare replay there i think they did a really good job with it on the rare replay i think because if you go back to play that um now on n64 with 2022 eyes it's nearly unplayable <laughs> in terms of like frame rate and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. um but they did a really good job with it on that rare replay collection and it's a very very fun game and i've always had a soft spot for for perfect dark um big big fan of that original game but uh fans of perfect dark can rejoice as um according to the story from Eurogamer Rare's classic Nintendo 64 shooter perfect dark has been decompiled meaning PC ports and mods will now be possible uh Coda Ryan Dwyer is behind this working on both the launch NTSC version and a later re-release that fixed various bugs um so what I would ask then is, I believe it was you, Mark, on Twitter, was it, that was talking about this, saying you hadn't really played per- Perfect Dark I've properly? I played the first level of the the Rare Replay uh, edition, yeah. uh, but outside of that, I'd, I'd never played it. And the ridiculous thing is, is like I have the fucking I have Rare Replay, yeah. and I just and, never sat and down such and played an it. N- you're, and you're such an N64 guy, and I'm such a Goldeneye guy. Yeah, like, and it know, was like it was one of the last great N64 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I never had it originally at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're... is it because you hate women, Mark? Is that why? Because <laughs> it was a woman. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I refuse to play first-person shooters as a woman. I just, I, yeah. just, I can't tolerate it. Just- just checking yeah, yeah. no yeah. but the thing is is like i'm on a kick of playing different um kind of older classic games at the moment so i, I probably well, i will yeah. put perfect dark I, I mean the the golden eye um when the fuck's the golden eye uh, uh remake coming out that's got to be fairly soon I thought, I thought it was october Ooh, i'm not sure i swear they said october for the, for that well, I think there's not much of October. There is not much of October. Yeah, they, they want to hurry the fuck up. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying frantically to check this now for you as you're talking. Unless it's October 23. <laughs> yeah. Um, ba, ba, ba. I'm on Xbox's website here, scrolling down. Uh, oh, they didn't say. <laughs> oh. I swear they uh, fucking on, on Xbox's on Xbox's website here. They're just like we'll have more, including when you can expect to step into 007's shoes very soon. Okay, well that's that's unfortunate because my my mentality was I played the uh, the Golden Eye remake and then that would get me all psyched up and then I'll carry that over to playing Perfect Dark. But now I'll probably just fucking play the re- replay version of Perfect Dark. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 2023. It looks like because um, I was trying to see if it's coming out on Switch first but it's it's not it's both are going to be 2023 you're you're a perfect I know you're a perfect dog, dog uh, guy yeah I love Perfect Dark yeah. um, I have very fond memories of playing that game I actually got it as a gift from um, so like when an uncle of mine married into the family in 2000 um, he got like there was me and two other uh, nephews on our side of the family and he got us all gifts and they were both toddlers i was like 10 at the time and he got me perfect dark and i was fucking like i fucking love perfect dark one thing i will say mark do you know much about the story of perfect dark no okay well don't look anything up but i will bet you uh one million euro that you will not guess how that game ends all right <laughs> fucking because i even when i got the rare replay version <laughs> 
I had completely forgotten. Like, that game takes a fucking wild swing in the final act, let me tell you. But it's... I, I think you're going to really enjoy... There's a few levels in that that are just fucking classic uh, first-person shooter levels from that era. They're just tight. I love the maps. I can still tell you where individual enemies are on, like, the... the there's a level based at a villa, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world um there's a level in chicago that's fucking great um yeah there's a bunch of you know when you can remember individual levels and maps still to this day like that it's I pretty mean, it's fucking solid Maya, so is yeah. is perfect dark zero is that a remake like an, an xbox it's remake a, or? it's a it's it was xbox was it 360 uh i think it was just I, the original xbox oh, was the original xbox so i think like, it's they a, did that i think and, it's a and, prequel it's not okay. a remake it's not a remake I, because they did the the sort of like remake with conquers which was not good at all yeah uh, i want to say it's a prequel hence the zero um okay but it's definitely it's not a remake of the first game because i've been way more jazzed by it. i remember even looking at the animation style of perfect dark zero and i went Do you know what not for me yeah <laughs> so <laughs> okay. i've never actually properly played it all right uh See also um, Badger Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, uh, even though people say that's actually pretty good. I mean, that's, that's just a whole different beast altogether. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, I'll, I'll probably actually, I might try and sink in a, a couple of hours or so into. I, I've yeah. talked myself into turning on the Xbox while we're wrapping this up and uh, re downloading it. There, there are things in 2022 that I should be playing, but fuck it, I'll go play some Perfect Dark. Why not? Yeah. Um, right, that's going to bring. Um, this week's link to the cast to a close uh, thank you very much for tuning in at link to the cast where you need to go on twitter to keep up with the shows as they're posted chat to us about the things we've been talking about on the show or what you think we should cover or play um, individually I'm at the day to Dave uh, on twitter Mark is at Lithium Project Jack is at Jack Lazell and Garrett is at Garrett Kidney I'd like to give Garrett the last word on this podcast by giving an update from earlier uh, I text him in our group roof chat and said Garrett can you please sum up your thoughts on the Silent Hill franchise for me to read out on air and he said that presentation was more like a not so silent shill am I right we'll see you next week